When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Now it's time for the financial outlook for personal investors. I'm joined by Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investment, as we look at the world of investment from a UK perspective. But we're going to look at, we're going to start by anyway, looking at the American tech sector, because that's been responsible for so much of the the, the sort of uh, the excitement in markets in the last few years. But recently, tech stocks not doing quite so unnecessarily. We've had good results from Apple and um, and Amazon, but then Netflix and Facebook Meta have been stuttering. And we've seen a few other tech stocks recently that have had sort of quite wild rides. We're going to start by looking at, at, at Peloton. And I suppose also we ought to consider at the end whether we are seeing a rotation out of tech growth stocks and into into value, which I know people have been talking about for ages, but um, hasn't really happened yet. So let's start with with Peloton then, which uh, I mean, I don't know much about them really, except what they actually provide, not that I've ever actually sampled their wares. Hey, Simon. Yeah. So in terms of Peloton, we've seen a major shakeup uh, at the company, a dramatic cost cutting exercises, 2,800 jobs were cut and its CEO and co-founder, John Foley was ousted and clearly investors liking what they saw because shares surged by as much as 30% um, after a fifth of jobs were axed as part of this major restructuring. But Peloton, like Zoom, was one of the standout winners during the pandemic, of course. Um, You know, lots of us unable to go to the gym, opting for uh, Peloton cycling at home instead. But now we're seeing this emergence out of the pandemic lockdowns being lifted as well as government restrictions which have been eased and there have been serious concerns about what's next for Peloton in terms of its growth trajectory but on top of that it's been faced with some PR disasters as well there was sadly um, a tragic death of a child associated with this treadmill and in less serious PR disaster um, but still quite significant in terms of the share price. Um, in the latest series of Sex in the City, uh, the beloved character Big also died on his Peloton bike. Uh, so that was right. another <laughs> bit of a PR disaster for Peloton there. So it has been a difficult time for the company, and it's trying to take dramatic uh, changes to try and reinvigorate some of that investor confidence that it had back in 2020. Yes, that's the sort of product placement I suppose companies are not after. Uh, <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, there's some talk about you know whether it might actually be be acquired, but I guess w- we get that quite often with companies, particularly after some dive in their share price, whether somebody's going to snap them up. Well, that's the thing. Peloton was worth fifty billion dollars a year ago. Now its valuation has dropped below ten billion dollars, so it's no wonder that there's speculation and potential bidders 
circling. There's also been activist investors that have been calling for a shake-up as well, which also tends to happen when we see a big drop in the share price. So we've seen a lot of uh, potential M&A speculation from Amazon and Nike. And one analyst on Wall Street suggested that Apple could also be in the running. Uh, basically, given the sharp share price decline, you know, the stock is looking quite cheap now. Um, so whether Apple could be in the running is sort of yet to be seen. It's not a particularly acquisitive company, but it did acquire Beats a few years mm, ago. I remember. Um, but it feels like a good fit, say, with Nike or Amazon. You can kind of see how that tie-up might work. Um, we're in earnings season in the in the States at the moment, haven't they? We've had um, earnings from um, Uber. Now, Uber, of course, the inverse company, because, of course, during lockdown, presumably, they were doing absolutely appallingly. But now that the restrictions are... Um, disappearing, presumably, much better for them. So we saw a big jump in Uber shares aftermarket, um, thanks to strong profits actually in its Uber Eats division. Uh, So that's the um, food delivery services. Um, Its overall business uh, also managed to uh, log its second quarterly operating profit ever. Uber Eats recording its first ever profit. So it's a positive path in terms of earnings that we're seeing. Its ride-hailing division also is approaching pre-pandemic levels. We saw gross bookings up by nearly 70% year on year. Um, there was a bit of negativity around its outlook. Uh, Omicron appears to be taking its toll on this quarter's bookings uh, for taxis. But this first ever profit that we saw for Uber Eats, this was a major milestone. And um, its business model is very clever because it's got the taxi service when people are going out Mm. and um, it's got Uber Eats when people are staying in. So it's a relatively resilient business model, diversified and can hold up pretty well come rain or shine. Uh, So Uber is really proving itself as a strong uh, stock. And it's also been expanding in terms of its Uber Eats division, into groceries and alcohol. So going beyond just restaurants. Mm. Uh, so that could potentially support further growth ahead. Let's give you a chance to get a pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook on share radio i'm in conversation with victoria scholar of interactive investor so um, one more company we can look at i mean uh, disney um, and again for a while netflix was the only streaming company in town now of course everybody's been jumping on the bandwagon disney plus been doing fairly well hasn't it yeah i think the latest quarterly subscriber numbers are so interesting it reached nearly 12 million new subscribers for disney plus mm. that compares to just above 8 million for Netflix. So it's really challenging Netflix's dominance. Um, We saw slower subscriber numbers from Netflix in January, which prompted concerns about a broader slowdown in streaming, you know, as lockdown eases, as government restrictions ease, as we go back to normal, perhaps less of us um, engaging in watching as much television. But it feels as though that isn't the case when we look at Disney's numbers. Disney Plus is managing to buck the trend. It's got these really ambitious growth targets as well. It's trying to get to around 250 million Disney Plus subscribers by 2024. That would represent growth of about 100% from here. But it's doing all the right things. It's investing heavily. 
it's attractively pricing its bundles and tying up with Hulu and ESPN in terms of its offerings. Um, and it's also got very, very popular content. You know, Disney is a very popular brand. It's got Star Wars, um, Encanto and others. So perhaps one day it will overtake Netflix in the coming years. Who knows? Hmm. Let's just look at the broader picture before we we um, finish. I mean, since we last spoke, of course, Bank of England's increased interest rates. Um, we've had in worrying inflation figures here and indeed in the States. And to some extent, inflation and how the Fed's going to react is pretty important for the tech sector. So just talk us through the inflation numbers and what you think it means for the, for the sector as a whole and what the Fed might end up doing. Yeah, so we had the January CPI inflation numbers out on Thursday. Uh, 7.5% was the figure coming in ahead of expectations and the highest figure since February of 1982. We saw this was driven by energy costs, labour shortages, supply chain issues, the same story that we've seen for some time. Some analysts were saying that inflation might have actually already peaked at the end of last year. But we saw the month on month figure actually pick up and come in ahead of expectations. So it feels as though there is potentially more price rises in the pipeline. And that could potentially lead the Fed to hike rates from March by around five, six, seven times even uh, this year. That's why some are saying that perhaps the Fed is behind the curve, given how high inflation is already. Mm -hmm. But the big sort of question is, to what extent can monetary policy from the Fed, which is obviously a demand side tool that focuses on mortgages and loans, how is that going to actually target those supply side pressures from energy and the tightness in the labour market? And the answer is it can't necessarily, but it can at least cool some economic activity, perhaps take a little bit of heat out of the economy and dampen uh, those price rises, at least in part. Or, of course, if they get it wrong... Um, and inflation has already peaked, then, of course, they could induce um, recession. So, yes, I'm glad it's not me having to pay the decisions. Um, Victoria, thank you very much indeed. I've been in conversation with Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor, who will be back with me in a fortnight's time looking at the financial outlook for personal investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.